Welcome to the Underline Podcast. Underline seeks to embolden and equip those who have been called to a life of service. We strive to create a community where iron can sharpen iron, and believers will boldly live out their faith as lions. What's up, ETL family? Thank you for joining us for another podcast episode. So excited for this one. I have a very, very good friend of mine, a man who I respect a ton. Man, this guy has been with me through my absolute lowest of lows. Uh, he is he is a staple of a man who I look up to. Um, Brandon Langley, how are you, man? Good, brother. Good to see you guys, or talk to all you guys here on ETO. Hey, so Brandon, uh, give us a quick little introduction about yourself, bud. Uh, my name is Brandon Langley. I've been in law enforcement for... I'm in my 22nd year. Um, I've worked from patrol, both swing shifts, midnights, um, and then moved to a proactive uh, team where we do a lot of um, warrant services, uh, whether that be uh, arrest warrants, search warrants, um, and we hit all the uh, hot spots in our in our uh, precincts. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, Brandon, uh, a few years back, was involved in an officer-involved shooting and uh, wanted to bring him on today uh, so he can talk about his experience with that and how he really, uh, when it was all said and done, uh, relied on God and how God kind of helped him get through that scenario. So, Brandon, man, I'm going to turn it over to you and you tell us a little bit about that. So, in it was 2000, January 2017, um, I responded to a uh, suicidal homicidal subject call armed with a weapon. And um, as I'm guessing most people are police on here, we all know that like 99% of the time, that's just a routine. You go, we work it out, get them to get them an EP, get them to the hospital, and then we move on. Um, you know, this one just felt different from the start. And, uh, Unfortunately, it just progressed to a situation where um, we had the guy outside and he retreated to a position uh, that we couldn't see a whole lot. And he came up with a with a rifle and um, that was pretty much it. It was him or us. And uh, so I ended up I ended up um, I was the only one involved in the shooting itself. And um, and he ended up passing away due to his injuries. And, uh, it's been a journey ever since. And that it's just kind of the, honestly, it's kind of the midpoint in the trauma spectrum of my career because there's been, uh, things before it. Um, and I had a friend and coworker killed in the line of duty after it just months after it. So it's, it's, uh, it's been eventful <laughs> to say the least. Now the the person didn't get any shots off, right? You yeah. were the only. You were the yeah. only. You were the only one fired. Yep, yep. It was just me. Yep. Yeah. So after that happened, um, what was it like? Gosh, even going back to your office, sitting down, um, driving home that night. Um, I remember. So it kind of turned into a, uh, so after I, after I was, um, 
involved in the shooting. He fell behind a position where we couldn't see him. So I ended up having to take a position of just cover at that point. And we had to hold that area for, man, it felt like eternity because uh, it was cold um, in Maryland. It was freezing and we had to wait for uh, more personnel to get there because at that time, the only people that were close enough to have any contact were me and the, uh, the buddy that I was, um, he was communicating with the guy and I was just the cover officer and it was just him and I. Um, so we ended up sitting in the cold for a decent amount of time. Um, I remember it took a few minutes and then all of a sudden adrenaline started coming in. Um, I started shaking and I couldn't control it. Um, so it was, it was one of those things that I, I had never experienced before. Uh, and, and I've been in a lot of different scenarios that were, that were definitely high speed and, and high adrenaline. Um, and that in itself was new to me. And that was, that was seven, 16 years into my career. So it wasn't like I was, I was new. Um, but then I had, I'll tell you what I benefited from initially right on scene. I had two of the mo most amazing shift, uh, lieutenants running those shifts on that midnight shift at the time. Um, and I didn't even work for them. I was, I was still, I'm, then I was assigned to the same unit I'm working with now. So I just kind of self-dispatched that call because we don't, we don't, have any um, responsibility for calls for service. So I had just self-dispatched, but luckily it was those two guys working um, side by side because it happened right on a, uh, it was like a quarter mile in from the border from two different precincts. So they both showed up and um, right from the jump, I had the benefit of their, their no, just their know-how and their, uh, leadership and what they brought to the table that really calmed me as they got me out of that, uh, perimeter, really the hot zone and got me back to the staging area. Um, and brought me to a level where it, I, I started feeling good. I started calming down. I started, you know, everything kind of physically was just, just going by the wayside. So I wasn't shaking. I wasn't, um, having a difficulty at that point. <clears throat> then they took me back to my precinct or the, uh, the area I work out of. And, um, I just remember being thirsty. Mm. Um, and the Lieutenant was like, yep, you just gotta keep, gotta keep hydrating, man. It's gonna, you're gonna burn through it and you just gotta keep hydrating. So all the adrenaline, I guess, you know, from the adrenaline dump, yeah. um, then I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Uh, Lieutenant asked me, he goes, are you going to be okay if this guy is dead? And I looked at him and I, I, it, it was off the wall, right? It was, I didn't really expect to be answering that question that soon. I'm talking within probably 30 minutes of getting back to the, the precinct. And, um, you know, I, I thought about it and I was like, I mean, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. And 
you know, it, it, it kind of is what it is. Like I don't have control over it now. So, you know, I, I gotta, I just gotta, whatever happened is, is what happened. And, um, so he told me that the guy was, uh, I mean, he was pretty much, it was right after my second, my second shot. And I was at distance with a, with an, with an M4. So it wasn't like it was close and in your face, but, um, he's like, man, the guy, he was gone pretty much right away. So, and that kind of set in a little bit. Um, but I, I really wasn't feeling like, I, I don't remember feeling a whole lot. I just remember kind of running the scenario over in my head and <laughs> what kept coming in my head was, um, you know, I knew what my eyes saw, but you start running through it. Um, and you're like, man, I hope I saw what I saw, but I know I saw what I saw And that game started, that game started in my head. And then of course you have more brass showing up because you just had a fatal OIS and, um, you know, that's, that's one of the worst parts of this, of this whole thing was how, uh, me and my buddy were treated, but, um, that did more damage, I would say than the shooting itself is how we were, how it was all handled after the fact. Um, but you know, the, the other tough part to that was, you know, and I think, I think deep down it's because most of us, you know, we're, we're raised on with a, with a moral compass that is, um, you know, thou shalt not kill, you know, and that was a hurdle for me to feel okay with taking another life, even though it was hundred percent justified. Um, that guilt that I was feeling like I had still taken a life and really didn't know how to, um, process that. So it became an internal mental, really spiritual battle, honestly, of, you know, what do you, what do you do with that? So, um, you know, aside from all the administrative stuff that, um, was going on, you know, that was, that was really the hardest battle for me. Um, I had come just, uh, a couple years prior, I think it was 15, 2015. Um, I had actually dealt with a, uh, a, I don't want to call it an episode because it was more like an everyday, an everyday life thing of, um, night terrors and, um, and constant, uh, hearing, hearing the sounds of this, um, woman that I couldn't save from a fatal fire that had happened um, almost a decade prior to my shooting, but in 2015, it all surfaced or 14 into 15, it had all surfaced. And so I was, I had already had a foundation because of that, because I was going to, um, some marriage counseling and I was seeking some help from that for that. Um, in peer group and, and things of that nature. And, um, so I kind of had a foundation going into dealing with the shooting more so than I did, um, prior to that. 
So that helped me get through it. That helped me um, kind of understand that, okay, I have to be proactive about this. I have to make sure that I am getting the help I need and I'm not just trying to bury it like all the old timers, man, when I came on, um, you know, God love them, man. I, I never, never worked with cops like them, ever, you know, since they're all retiring. But, but the one thing I don't think they got right was the fact when they said, man, you just got to eat it. You got to bury it. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, it, you know, I've seen it kill my friends. I've seen that uh, destroy them. I've seen them um, turn into people that I didn't even recognize. I've had uh, a buddy that was really a mentor to me during a part of my career that ended up killing himself because of it. And then another guy I worked with um, got addicted to drugs uh, off an incident that he got an injury and on pain pills. And then he ends up dying years later, overdosing. And so it's one of these things where I had a baseline where I knew that I had to be proactive about making sure I went after the help instead of just burying this. Was there, um, a certain spiritual outlet that you really sought uh, in particular after the shooting? Um, spiritually, I kind of felt on my own. Um, the church I was attending at the time. Uh, so it, I mean, I don't, it, it's not a bad church. Yeah. It's not, I, I will never say that about any church, right? Every church has its, its positives and every church has something that, you know, somebody's going to see as a flaw. But when I approached um, a pastor about it, man, I got no, I got no feedback. I mean, I got no help. I got no, uh, no, I mean, it wasn't even prayer. It was nothing. It was just like, man, I kind of like, man, I hope, you know, I'll be praying for you kind of thing. And I, and so that left me, that left me in a tough spot. Um, so what ended up happening is I just went through, uh, you know, the mainstream outlets. I went through, um, just therapy, um, ended up in counseling again. And then, um, I did some trauma specific trauma therapy, uh, EMDR, which was, um, if I can say something about EMDR, it is, if there is a specific, uh, trauma, a specific incident, a specific, um, I don't know, just something that you are hyper-focused on in your trauma, right? I found, and that's where I was um, in the past from this particular fire. And I went, you know, EMDR was an outlet that was amazing. Um, but spiritually, I was still hurting. I was still uh, lacking that connection. Um with Christ. Uh, absolutely. And, and I did for years after the shooting. What do you think was the thing 
like you said, years after the shooting, what do you think was the thing that actually, I don't want to say brought you back to Christ because I know you've been walking with Christ for a long time now, but like that was a Christ centered thing or a person that really helped you address some of the trauma. Yeah. Um, so what I found, where I found myself was, um, very, um, very comfortable in the bubble of police, uh, in that group. Um, they understood they could relate. They, and I have quite a few friends that have been involved in, in shootings. Um, and they understood where I was. They, but this is where the trouble begins. Also, this is this is a, a snare that it, it I truly believe is is in police work. If you're if you're not if you're not following God how you should be, this is a snare. And that is these people, although the best intentions, they will speak into what you're feeling and what you're thinking, which is, um, you know, if you had an argument with your wife, right? And they're like, yeah, man, you're right. You know, they're speaking into that. So they're in all actuality, they're they're tearing more apart than they're helping you because all they're doing is agreeing. So where I found myself coming through that was um, I was I was maintaining until I realized that um I was doing, I was still doing more harm than I was good. Even though I felt like I was gaining ground, I, I wasn't. Um, and it wasn't until there was a, a break in a relationship. And I say relationship because this guy was, I mean, he was like a brother to me, right? So there was a break in that connection. Um, and we were partners for, uh, I don't know, well over a decade. Uh, we work side by side and I trust him with my life and, and some, um, some things happened there where that, re that relationship was broken. And, uh, um, I found, I, I just found myself doing some soul searching and, um, I'm going to refer to this guy, uh, Jeff knows him personally too, but I have a cousin and, um, he's like, man, we should really, we should really get together more. You should, you should start hunting with me. Right. So I'm like, all right, man. And my, <laughs> at that time I was in an altercation and had my leg broken, um, at work, uh, affecting an arrest. And I was laid up and I'm like, you know what, dude? All right. I got nothing to do. Like I'm sitting around the house watching the kids run around and I can't do anything. So, you know, I'll get online, get my hunting license. Right. I'll give it a go. So that was like an outlet that God used and, and it started drawing me back spiritually. And it's, it, there, there's no coincidence um, that in my injury. And I was just thinking about this the other day with you, Jeff, um, my injury forced me to stop. And it actually created a separation from the guys at work who were just speaking into 
the flesh into those thoughts, into those, you know, those emotions that I would have at times. And that injury created enough gap where I could hear someone that would speak life into, into me and my family. So I did it. I took a leap. I did it. And, um, since that day, I've taken steps to make sure that, um, well, I've, I've honestly, I've heeded advice from, you know, just other brothers in Christ, but I've taken the steps to make sure I'm in a, I'm, I'm active, right. I'm in a small group. I'm surrounded by, um, guys that are going to speak the life and speak biblical truth into my life verse versus just co-signing, you know, what I'm feeling or what I'm saying, or, you know, how I was acting or, or anything like that. So that moment, um, right after my leg was broken was like an, a very um, important and moment of impact where I finally started um, feeling myself able to draw closer to God in that time. Um, now, um, it's been a few years since that. And, and what I can say is, is that I still wrestled my demons. Okay. So I was finding myself drawing closer to God. I was doing some of the right things and saying, you know, God, I know, I know you've forgiven me for this, even though I, even though it's debatable whether I needed forgiveness for that shooting. Right. I mean, I felt like I did. So me verbalizing that and, and, you know, taking that to Christ in prayer was impactful for me. Just saying, God, I just, you know, I need forgiveness for this. Um, cause I was feeling guilt for not feeling guilt. I don't know. It was, it was, but it was important. So I, I did that. And then, um, you know, start pray a little more, you start read a little more the, the Bible. Um, and you know, there's tests along the way, but it's, it's just, um, pushing through pushing through them and, and just focusing. And you know, that's where I ended up is small group trying to get, you know, make sure that my prayer life was on point and my, and, and just learning from God, learning the scripture um, and really diving in there were my two saving graces, those two things, man. And then just recently I've, God's been working on me about praise and worship um, and how important that is to really experience his presence. Um, because praying, we're establishing a relationship, reading his word, we're learning. So we're, we're gaining knowledge, but that praise and worship, when you can bring his presence into a situation um, right after a horrible call or an argument or whatever it is at home, you know, and, you can, you can just bring his presence right into it with praise and worship, man. That's it's, it is a game changer. And I, it was something I took for granted for a very long time, but, um, and Jeff knows a little bit about this, but, um, I still had night terrors. Um, and what I, what, what I was kind of not understanding was the fact that why I was still having them. 
And this is up until um, September of last year. I was still having night terrors. And it would, it, it just, I don't know. Like I, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. So I started instead of praying at God at times at night, man, I'm yelling at God. Like, and I didn't do this. Like I didn't cause it. I don't understand why I'm the one that's still suffering. Right. The lay, the guy that brought out the rifle that night and decided, you know, it, that was his time. Like it was, it was us or him. And you know what? The fact was, is we had a tactical, we had a tactical advantage because we knew what the outcome could be. So he made that decision. I didn't make that decision. So why am I suffering? And, and, you know, this guy's dust, like, I just, I'm living and suffering from it. So it did, it did make, it did have an impact, even though, man, I was trying to do all the right things. So, um, what God really led me to in that moment through sermons and through, um, and you know, you heard this the other day, but through sermons and just guys in my small group speaking into me. And I kid you not, my wife was, was, When you're laying in bed crying because you just don't want to go to sleep because you know what that means, but you're so tired. And when you're like, your wife is just praying for you out loud. I mean, I, I'm just blessed in that regard. And, you know, her, her prayers popped in my head and it was just, you got to bring it to me, man. You got to bring all of it to me not just a little bit, not just some of it, not, not 99% of it. You have to bring a hundred percent of it to me, lay it down and you got to give it to me. Um, so that's where I found myself desperate. And that's, that's, you know, that's what I had to do. I love what you said about <clears throat> earlier on. Um, about people in your department that were, you didn't use the word co-signing, right. things that you were feeling. Yeah. And, you know, gosh, how many of us, whether we're police officers and we go to a hot call and a trauma, traumatizing call that maybe you question an action that you did. Was I right? Was I wrong? Was I by policy? Was I by law? Did I do something wrong? And, or, or, you know, your partners or what I know you're good. You're good. Or even, even outside of work, some of the behaviors that we take outside of work, right. you know, saying specifically between our marriages, you know, if, if we're talking out of context uh, in a way we shouldn't be to another person, you know, and gosh, how many of us have been there with that, that can be something, but yet your cohorts may say, no, well, you know, you're doing this for you. Well, this person's really nice to you. You, you. You're okay to talk to them. Gosh, how many of us are through that? And it's important to know, yes, we want to, we want to be, want to show the love of Christ to those that we work with. And we, we want to have a great relationship with them. But at the same time, man, we have to be smart and say like, relationship with you, when it I'm not going to maybe seek guidance or wisdom from you. Yeah. No, that's Having people outside of our departments, outside of our squads, agencies, whatever you may be in to, 
that you know are have Christ in a solid foundation of their life that you can turn to and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I need some advice. I need some wisdom. This is what's going on. And like you said, too, not 99% of it. Yes. 100% of it. Yeah. And man, for those that have been listening to Brandon throughout this, this story and his time, like if there is anything that, that you feel like you're, that you're harboring, that you're not wanting to share with, with a family member, a friend, a pastor, a confidant, like something that is traumatizing you, troubling you, whether it's on the job or outside of the job in your life in general, it doesn't matter. You have to get it out. You know, I've been there myself with, 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 confessing certain things I've done, but not confessing it fully, you know, trying to hide it or just say, Oh no, it'll, it'll fade away by itself. Like, no, like it finds itself resurfacing in other ways. You have to, you have to fully say, no, I'm weak. I am not as strong as I thought I was. God, this is you need help to do that. Guys, that's really one of the main reasons why ETL was even formed and made was that for men and women in the first responder realm uh, to be able to lean on brothers and sisters, whether good times or bad, you know, we're not just here for bad times. We want to be here for good times too, but um, to have that spiritual outlet and, and man, guys, I hope that you took, you took some things from Brandon's story. Brandon, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on, man. Yeah, I appreciate um, you, Jeff, and I'm just uh, so proud of, you know, you and where you've come from and where you are. Um, just real quick to close, guys. Um, one, I took everything to God and he, he took those night terrors away. Mm-hmm. It's been almost a year, just shy of a year. Not one time have they come back. Uh, I cannot tell you the value of that. Um but I know he can do it. I absolutely know he can do it. Get into uh, a verse that's near and dear to me. Uh, Matthew 11, 28 to 30, man, find rest in God. And Jeff, what you said about the co-signing thing is so important to understand that those guys will back you up and they're there to protect you and you and make sure we all go home. But when it comes to your, your spiritual, uh, um, side or and your Christ side, it's show them love, but we have to be so careful to guard our hearts mm-hmm. and our minds from the place of discussion and the things that they're going to speak into us. Yeah. Man, the, we all know they're great men and women because they're out there serving. The bottom line is um, we've seen it more and more of uh, uh, just the destruction, the absolute destruction that that can bring to families and, and to ourselves. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for listening and love you, brother. Thanks for joining us again, guys. Uh, We'll have another one out there soon. Stay safe. Stay blessed. Love you guys. Thanks again for joining us at the Line Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you want to find out more about what we're doing, you can find us on social media or join us on our website, enterline.co. Again, that's enterline.co.